this week's episode, Mason and the gang talk about Alabama's narrow win over Texas A&M while looking forward to a road contest against number six, Tennessee. It's the All Things Bama podcast on the Bama Central Podcast Network. Alongside Joey Blackwell and Katie Wyndham, I'm Mason Smith. Guys, what an exciting game we had last weekend between the Crimson Tide and the Texas A&M Aggies. It literally came down to the last play of the game. Joey, just starting with you, what were your thoughts about how Alabama pulled away with a 24-20 victory against Texas A&M? Yeah, you know, it was a lot closer than a lot of people predicted. Um, I think I was in the very small minority that had Alabama only winning by five points when I did my prediction uh, and that was almost right on, you know, almost hit the nail right on the head. You know, I, I thought this game was going to be a lot closer than it was. Um, or, or then people, I thought, wait, way to start the podcast, Joey. You know, I thought it was going to be a lot closer and, and it turned out it was, you know, uh, with, with, you know, Jalen Merrill having to play the full 60 minutes. Um, the Alabama did have a really solid rushing game. I like what I saw there. Um, Jameer Gibbs obviously had a fantastic game. Um, ball control was a huge issue. You know, Jalen Miller uh, lost a couple of fumbles there. He threw an interception, so that was a big problem. The defense looked good, though. Um, overall, you know, I, I thought the defense played really well. They did uh, kind of, you know, slacking off a little bit there near the end, but ultimately they made up for it by, you know, blocking, batting down the pass that ultimately won the game in the final second. So um, overall, you know, a win's a win. As Chris Stewart said, you know, at the end of the year, they don't ask how, they ask how many. And uh, this was another another win for Alabama in the SEC West in a in a in a division that's you know week by week seemingly getting more and more competitive, and we're about to see two really competitive teams coming in here uh, against Tennessee this weekend, and then Mississippi State. So you know it's it's only gonna it's only gonna get more and more difficult as the weeks go on here. Oh, absolutely, and of course you spoke on Jalen Merrill. Jalen Merrill made his first career start. You know, had a had an excellent overall excellent game, at least comparatively speaking, 111 yards, three touchdowns, 12 of 19 passing with on, with that one interception. Katie, what did you see from Jalen Murrow as he was kind of shaking off the nerves? And Steve, Nick Saban did say he was kind of not letting his training do the play for him. But overall, what did you see from Jalen Murrow? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Saban or Jalen, even though he was very positive after the game, and I do have to you know shout him out and respect him for coming and speaking to the media after, you know, kind of a tough game, whereas a redshirt freshman or even, you know, they're not required to. The Alabama staff goes and gets some of them, and they don't have to. Um, but a lot of times I think a quarterback after having a three-turnover game wouldn't want to, and he did come speak to the media after the game on Saturday. But I don't think he or Saban would call it an excellent performance. And I think like what Saban said today really kind of um, – personifies if you go back and watch the film from that game which I haven't had the time to rewatch all of it I've watched about three quarters of it now is um, I think it's definitely what Saban said about um, he was pretty anxiety filled and that he didn't like you said Mason let his training do the work he didn't always go through his progressions and reads he either sometimes would panic and run early or the field opened up and he had plenty of room to run and he didn't because he wanted to pass the ball because he doesn't necessarily want to be known as a running quarterback. So he did do some good things. You know, he had the three touchdown passes, um, which was good to get some of Alabama's receivers kind of back involved. 
Cam Latu had his first reception in a couple games. Jermaine Burton had his first touchdown since week one. Um, Ja'Cory Brooks got, had the touchdown uh, catch as well. And so, you know, Jalen Miller also, at one point, I, I feel like I may have kind of jinxed him because late in the second half he had, I think, like 87 rushing yards or something. And at that point, Gibbs is well over 100. So I started going through my game notes to see the last time Alabama had had two 100-yard rushers in the game. And then I think he got sacked like the next play. So his, his rushing total went down. But um, he, he did kind of show um, what he can do best uh, as a quarterback. And right now that's run the ball, you know, there's been a lot made about his arm strength. We haven't been able to see that in games yet when he tried to connect with Jermaine Burton for a deep ball. That is when he got intercepted on Saturday. So, um, you know, I, I don't know if Alabama's opened up the full playbook for him yet. Obviously, I don't think they have. Um, but ultimately, you know, he did do enough to win. And I saw, um, I think I talked about this in instant analysis after the game, you know, a tweet talking about any time um, – you know, you're playing with a backup quarterback. It's hard to win. And, uh, but ultimately, Alabama, like Joey said, got the most important staff to win. And so, um, Jalen Miller was a big part of that. Now he was also a big part of, you know, them potentially losing with the three turnovers. But I, I would, I would venture that, um, if he does play this week against Tennessee, which I'm sure we'll get into this in a little bit, I'm pretty sure it'll be Bryce Young. But when, when we see Milrow again, whether it's this year, or next year, whenever, I'm sure he'll be holding the ball a little more securely, um, when he's scrambling and, that that's definitely going to be a mistake that he learns from moving forward. No, absolutely on that. I think it's a really good tell, not only with Alabama side, but also Texas A&M side. They've kind of had their own quarterback issues as well with Mac Johnson having his own injury. Haynes King had to step in and it kind of showed itself in that first quarter. Of course, going back to that first quarter, neither team scored, not a field goal, not a touchdown, anything. And then all of a sudden the second quarter, I think people found more of their grooves and their rhythm. Both teams exploded. Alabama had 17 in the second quarter, where Texas A&M had 14. And, of course, going down the stretch, we saw those teams kind of go head-to-head. Of course, Alabama had another touchdown in the third, and they were able to hold off Texas A&M in the fourth quarter, where people kind of questioned the rub route call. They weren't really a fan of that play. But overall, I think it was a good show by the secondary, Joey. And I want to hear your opinion on this. The secondary has kind of been somewhat in question for Alabama in terms of who may go where with Eli Ricks, Terrion Arnold, Kool-Aid, Kyrie Jackson. But I think they really did step up, kind of seal the deal for Alabama. Yeah, you know, I think they've really played, you know, pretty much lockdown defense, uh, you know, ever since that you know fourth quarter of the Arkansas game through this past week. I mean, yeah, they, you know, they gave up a total of, you know, 253 passing yards, you know, but they they really limited Haynes King. Um, they gave up two touchdowns as well, but. Um, I, I think what overall we, we've really seen, a, you know, these defensive backs I had a lot of question marks earlier um, this year, but we've really seen them come around and kind of solidify, you know, who's playing where. And, was, you know, it, it's kind of funny how, you know, everybody made such a big deal about Eli Ricks coming to this Alabama team. But, you know, he didn't start against Texas A&M this past week. You know, he's still we're still kind of seeing him in glimpses here and there, but not as consistently as we are some of these other ones. I've overall been really impressed, particularly with Kool-Aid McKinstry. Um, I think he's really grown from year one to year two. I really like who he's developing into, not just as a defensive back, but also in the punt return game. He's uh, really stepped up there and and done a really good job for them in that department. So, um, yeah, when it comes to defensive backs, um, I I just really like what I've seen. And it's kind of funny that you bring this up because once we start talking about um, Tennessee, um, that's another topic of conversation is their defensive backfield and how that's been, you know, going this year. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, the different sides of the field on defense, um, this upcoming weekend in Knoxville. 
Definitely, definitely agree with that, Joey. Now, one more person I kind of want to just talk about more before we transition to the Tennessee game is Jameer Gibbs. Of course, Jameer Gibbs did not have the strongest start to the season rushing-wise. Of course, he was a fantastic receiver, and we saw how much he's contributed in that regard for the Alabama offense. But to have a game against Arkansas with 206 rushing yards and then again against Texas A&M with 154, I think it's really kind of a sign that the running game is coming along for Jameer Gibbs and the rest of the Alabama offense. And of course, we're, they've always kind of had big runs throughout the year, you know, big 60, 70 yard runs. So have that consistency to really, you know, contribute on the ground as well as the passing game is going to open up a lot more options, Katie. I think with that, it's just going to make the offense flow a lot easier, even without brashing as he works back from injury. So I'm looking forward to see what you have to say about that. Yeah, I think it's interesting. I kind of talked about this on the extra point with one of our interns, Clay, today, that obviously Jameer's total carries increased a ton the past two weeks. I mean, against Vanderbilt, he only had three carries total on the ground. Um, and then, you know, with Bryce Al, Al, they obviously turned to the running game more. And I'm interested to see if moving forward with Bryce coming back, assuming he does come back, if Jameer's carries are going to stay about the same or if they're going to go um, back down to the numbers he had early on in the season. You know, I would think it's probably going to be a little bit somewhere in the middle. Um, the first two games he had nine carries and then four and three. And then, um, like you talked about against Arkansas, you know, Bryce obviously went down in that game um, and he had a lot in that. And then a season high in carries this past week, I think with, let me check real quick. I think it was, yeah, 21. Um, and so, Obviously, the run game was something that Alabama had to lean more on with Bryce out. But if Bryce comes back, is that something they're going to do as much? I don't know. I think, like you said, the offensive line and run blocking has come along and started to develop more. So I think that going forward, it is something that we're going to see more of. I think we're going to see more Jameer Gibbs running the ball, even with a healthy Bryce. Part of that, too, is you know healthy Bryce, I guess, is kind of a relative term um, with this shoulder injury. I think from, you know, I'm not a shoulder sprain expert I'm no doctor I've never had a shoulder injury but listening to other people on the radio and tv talk about you know former quarterbacks have had shoulder injuries before I think this whole thing is going to kind of be a pain management thing that he has to work through and so I'm sure Alabama will be looking to lighten his load in some ways and um you know take more pressure off him not just like um physically but also you know mentally in a game that it's not all on his shoulders so I think we'll see a lot more uh, Jameer Gibbs in the coming weeks in the second half of the regular season. Absolutely. And if anybody's willing to help short it out low, it's the Alabama running game, because even without Jameer Gibbs, you know, until recently exploding in the running game, Jace McClellan has really been holding it down. And even Tyler Steen that we spoke to earlier today during the press conference, he talked about how Jameer Gibbs helps the offense help him, offensive line specifically, you know, with their blocking schemes. Jameer Gibbs is such a, a smart runner that they can, and he helps them kind of just execute their blocking patterns even more. So, I think it's going to be one thing to look forward to when they hit to Knoxville take on Tennessee. Joey, before before we transition, you had one more thing to say? Yeah, you know, I, I think just a quick shout-out. I think one unsung hero that, you know, could be a huge reason why we've seen the run game improve has been Seth McLaughlin starting at center both games. You know, the run right. blocking has been much, much improved with him playing there. And that's no slight to Darian Dalcourt. But, you know, obviously Seth McLaughlin had to come in and start for him against Arkansas because Dockward had back spasms. And then they kept him in um, for, for the stay and m game. And when you're able to create big holes um, like they were like they were able to do, and when you have that leadership and that, that cohesion with McLaughlin there, um, combine that with, you know, the explosive nature of, of Jameer Gibbs. And, I mean, the offensive line is able to make holes that you could drive a semi through these past couple of weeks. 
And that's been a lot better than it was previously. And granted, they still have a problem with maintaining those holes. They still close pretty quickly. Um, but like I said, when you have Gibbs in the backfield and he's explosive and able to shriek through there, you don't really have to keep those holes open for very long. So I just wanted to to bring up, you know, that, yeah, Gibbs has had a couple of tremendous games. They have had to give him the ball more. And that's, you know, probably why we're seeing these high numbers. But at the same time, I think they also trust the offensive line more than they did in weeks prior. And I think Seth McLaughlin's a, a big part of that. One thing that's kind of scary about what you said, Joey, Nick Saban did say the last game against Texas A&M, it was not the best game he saw from the offensive line. So yeah. not the best game can still include 154 yards of rushing for Jameer Gibbs. I'll be kind of scared to see what a, what a great game will look like going against Tennessee. And looking forward to Tennessee, it's going to be – I will almost say a shootout. Both of these offenses are pretty high powered. Of course, Alabama's kind of, you know, more on the running side in terms of their statistically speaking, but they can pass as well. But Tennessee's passing attack, my goodness. You know, Hendon Hooker, of all the of all the SEC quarterbacks who have at least a thousand yard passing on this season to this point, Hendon Hooker is the only player without an interception. You know, I, I think that's a, a telltale to his, you know, maturity as a six year football player in college, as well as, you know, as a 70% completion percentage. So, Katie, starting with you on this one, what have you seen from Hendon Hooker leading leading up to this Saturday in Knoxville? Yeah, I mean, I haven't gotten to watch a ton of Tennessee football this year. I had a little bit of their game on against LSU um, this Saturday on the road to LSU, which obviously was a really impressive performance for the Volunteers. I mean, you know, they played they had their bye week before the Tennessee game, so it's been um, one less game, but they've kind of gotten into, you know, they kind of got a little bit of a shootout with Florida in that 38 to 33 final. He passed for over um, nearly 350 yards in that game um, this past week against LSU. He it was um, he only had 239 yards on 17 of 2017. I mean, 17 of 27 passing, so not his best um, statistical performance, but he's a guy who had a pretty successful game against Alabama last year too. Um, when I was working on, uh, the how to watch on Sunday and just kind of looking at different things in this Alabama Tennessee series. Um, you know, I remember last year's Alabama Tennessee game in the final, I believe was 52 to 24. So if you look at that final score, um, it wasn't really close at all, but it was really kind of a back and forth affair, um, for most of the game until the fourth quarter when Alabama kind of pulled away, um, because Hendon Hooker was giving the Alabama defense problems last season. I think um, he finished that game with um, 282 yards and three touchdowns. He did have an interception last year against Alabama. Um, so I know that's something, you know, we talked to Coach Shaven about today, about turnovers that Alabama will be going for, hopefully getting um, – or they'll hope to be getting um, – hooker to throw an interception for the first time this year but yeah like you said you know in his sixth year he's one of the most veteran quarterbacks in college football he's been with Heupel for a couple years now um he's in an offense that's clicking and um Tennessee you know probably has a little more skill guys um around him than um you know what we've seen in this 15-year winning streak um by the Crimson Tide no exactly on that of course just a few stats to remind people of last year's contest against Tennessee Bryce Young went 31 of 43, 371 yards and two touchdowns, while Brian Robinson Jr. had 26 carries for 109 yards and three touchdowns himself. Hendon Hooker, 19 of 28, 282 yards, three touchdowns and one interception, but he was also sacked three times. So it does kind of tell to that Alabama defense. And then, Joey, kind of transitioning to you, 
Tennessee's defense, you know, was kind of might provoke, might pose a challenge, excuse me, for the Alabama offense that is kind of proven to be multidimensional in terms of how they produce. But what have you kind of seen from the Alabama offense, you know, leading into Tennessee? Oh, from the Alabama offense? I thought we were going to talk Tennessee defense. Um, you no, you know, I, I think, you know, I'll kind of do a little mix match here of covering both. You know, I think one of the keys to this game is going to be how Alabama's rushing attack stacks up against Tennessee's uh, rush defense. You know, as of right now, Tennessee's rush defense is 11th in the country. Um, they give up an average of 2.7 yards, uh, 2.79 yards um, per carry. Um, they at, they give up only an average of just under 90 rushing yards a game to opponents. And that's really solid. That's only three spots below Alabama, who's supposed to have one of the best, you know, rushing defenses in the country. Um, I think that's going to be key because in order to be multidimensional, you have to excel at both the pass and the run. And if one of those is locked down, that forces quarterbacks to make some some plays they don't want to, and that's that's how you get uh, some interceptions. Sorry, my dog just started coughing at me for some reason. Um, <laughs> sorry, are you okay? You okay? All right. Um, but you know, I I, I want to take that and transition over to um, the pass defense, though. Mm-hmm. Um, one of Tennessee's biggest weaknesses this year so far has been their pass defense. You remember how I said that they were ranked 11th in the country in rush defense? Well, Tennessee, as of right now, is ranked 128 out of 131 in passing defense. They give up over 307 yards per game. The good thing about this Tennessee team is that their red zone defense has been very, very solid. Um, And that's bailed them out a lot. But when you're playing against a team like Alabama that's able to, you know, the most of their long plays have been runs, but, you know, they do have the capability to, especially if Bryce Young comes back, they do have the ability for the deep ball. And if that's a, if, if they finally have that developed, then that's going to be a problem. But I think that that's going to be the tail of the tape right there is going to be how Alabama's running game. If it's able to keep the Alabama offense multidimensional um, and then, you know, moving over to the other side of the football, I want to see how this Tennessee team is able to stop Hendon. I'm sorry, how this Alabama team is able to stop Hendon hooker. It's going to be, there's a lot of things to look at in this game. Absolutely, especially that curveball just threw you with the topics. You handled it so well, Joey. (laughs) I meant to go defense, but the offense is, it's so much to talk about with this game. And one thing that does concern me, you talked about multidimensional offense for Alabama. Uh, I don't think that is the case for Tennessee. And I think that's one thing the defense for Alabama could take advantage of. Their passing, their passing attack for Tennessee is, you know, is one of the best in the country. But their their rushing game is you know left a lot to be desired. It's going to be kind of hard to you know compete against the Alabama defense that can handle the pass or the run. But if you allow them to focus on one particular factor, especially with the pressure of Will Anderson, Harry Toloto, Brian Branch, that's a that's a lot of pressure on your passing game to really produce. And if your running game does not support you or provide any kind of relief, it's going to be a long day for Tennessee. Well, you know, one thing about this Tennessee team when it comes to the running game, you know, you said they were one-dimensional, and they they really are. But one thing that's been, this Tennessee team has been really good at is they do not lose yards. They don't lose yards. You know, Hinton Hooker has, you know, if you look at his stats on the season for running, he's lost 46 yards on, on sacks, obviously, or tackles in the backfield. But if you look at the rest of the running backs, Jalen Wright has only lost four yards on the year. Jabari Small has lost four yards on the year. And Dylan Sampson has lost one yard. <laughs> so this is a team that does not get tackled in the backfield outside of a sack here or there of Hendon Hooker, which will be a key. Um, you know, you have when you have Dallas Turner, Chris Braswell, 
And, uh, and obviously Will Anderson, you know, running around the, you know, off the edge, that's going to, that's going to be some sacks for sure. But, you know, if you're able to pick up three or four yards a carry, you know, it doesn't matter. You're going to win a lot of football games if you can average that. Um, Obviously they do rely on the pass and that's with good reason because they have Hendon Hooker under center. But uh, I I wouldn't dismiss this Tennessee run game just yet. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I'd call them one dimensional. They're second in the SEC in passing and fifth in rushing. So they have, you know, two guys. If you look at their top two rushers, it's about the same total yardage as Alabama's top two rushers, Gibbs and McClellan, and they've even played one less game. So, I mean, it has proved pretty challenging to run against this Alabama defense this year, but um, I I wouldn't, like you said, Joey, I wouldn't necessarily dismiss this Tennessee rushing game. Um, well, that's fair. If I gotta, if I gotta, you know, be the, be the sacrificial one for that, I, I would say, take I'll, your lumps, Mason. Take I, your lumps. I will, I, I will take my lumps because look, if if you've been listening to this podcast enough, you know I'm due for a hot take every once in a while, but. <laughs> all, all, all seriousness, I do think that the Tennessee running game will have to show for the volunteers just to make sure it can better maximize the, the passing game for them. Now, one last thing I want to talk about with UA versus Tennessee is, of course, a linebacker for Alabama that's not named Will Anderson has been making it happen. Of course, Henry Toto. For, for those who know or for those who don't know, Toto spent his first couple of years at Tennessee, you know, was all the CC selection. Now he's playing for Alabama. Katie, we're going to toss it to you first and then go right back to Joey. What do you? What is your take, or what is your, you know, what you've seen with Henry Toto as he's transitioned from Tennessee to Alabama, and now he's returning to Knoxville? Yeah, you know, obviously this is his second year now with the Crimson Tide, but he's a guy that from the time he came in, I remember talking to him and the other players and the coaches last season, even talking to Pete Golding, the defensive coordinator, in the preseason last year, and then again when we got to speak to the coordinators at media days during the playoffs, just that Henry was a guy that came in and acclimated himself right away. Um, he's He acclimated himself in the locker room, and he obviously stepped into a starting role um, right away and has been a big part of this Alabama defense. The middle linebacker position, you know, is sometimes kind of considered the quarterback of the defense because they're kind of – they're in that central spot literally being in the middle, but they're also, you know, kind of lining guys up, making sure the defense has their correct play call, making sure guys are in the right spots. And so, um, especially, you know, this past week with Jalen Moody out with the kidney injury um, and uh, Toa having a freshman, Deontay Lawson there next to him, a redshirt freshman um, – or he may be a sophomore. I don't know. You all have to fact check me on that. Um, but, um, you know, he, he's been instrumental to the middle of this Alabama defense. And so um, I'm sure it'll be interesting for him to returning to Knoxville for the first time. Obviously, he played against his old teammates last year, but the game was in Tuscaloosa. And so I'm sure there will be a couple of, you know, emotions and things um, riled up in him as he goes and plays uh, Tennessee. And it, it was also interesting um, – we talked to Tyler Steen today, you know, who's the Vanderbilt transfer. So he's played up in Knoxville a couple of times as a member of the Commodores. And so um, I got as a guy in the East um, in that in-state rivalry, if you want to call that between Tennessee and Vanderbilt, a rivalry, even though, you know, Vanderbilt's beaten, um, you know, Tennessee and Vanderbilt have gone back and forth a little bit more in the last decade and a half than Alabama and Tennessee have. So I guess you can <laughs> call it a rivalry, but um, yeah, I'm sure Toa Toa, well, he said uh, four times today during his about three minute um, press availability that he was super excited about the game so to be fair what isn't henry toto super excited about it seems like he's always <laughs> pumped up about something every press True. Conference. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point 
But, but Joey, you know, just just to hear your your two cents on on Toto and you know what you've seen from him with Alabama. What do you what do you expect from him this Saturday going into Knoxville? Well, you know, I, I think we're going to see a guy that we've seen all year. You know, I, he's obviously had an incredible season so far. He leads the team in tackles with thirty nine. You know, he's three and a half tackles for loss. He has a sack. You know, I it's hard for him to play any harder than he's already been playing. You know, I. I really like what 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 I've seen from him, as do most Alabama fans. You know, last season he had kind of a slow progression, you know, to get used to the defense um, at Alabama. But by the midway point of the season, he really, really took off and finished out that year strong. And he just hasn't lost a beat. He's even better now than he was last year. Um, and not just not just intangibles like on a stat sheet, but also his intangibles like. You know, we've heard multiple players talk about what a leader he is. Tyler Steen today talked about what a great communicator he is and the, the positive energy he brings, not just to the defense, but to the team as a whole. And, you know, every team that succeeds has guys like Toa Toa on it. And um, I obviously, you know, it's a, it's a big it's a big deal for him, you know, going back to Knoxville. You know, that's that goes without saying. But at the same time, I, I can't picture this guy, you know, playing any harder than he already has in the first six games of the season. He's just that type of guy that gives his all every every down, every play, every game. So um, this win will probably be a little sweeter for him. But as far as his performance on the field, you know, I, I don't exactly know how he can really top it. <laughs> no, you're absolutely correct with that. Like, Toto has really been playing well. Really, the entire defense has just been playing, you know, outstanding Honestly, you know they haven't gotten the, the actual turnovers, the interceptions, the fumbles. They haven't really gotten as many of those as people may have expected. But, again, that's completely fine. As long, the only thing that really matters is the win column. Now, last last thing, which is kind of funny if I just looked this up. Joey and Katie, if you had to guess, who leads Alabama in total tackles? If you had to guess. I mean, I, I just said it, didn't I? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> See, look, that's what, that's what I get. Oh man, 39 tackles. <laughs> 39 tackles for Henry Toto. Look, goes right over my head. He's been playing so well. He's got so many. I just blink right past it. But definitely it's been a great, it's been a great game, a great game to come for Alabama and Tennessee. So Joey and Katie, thank you so much for hopping on. Now kind of running to the going to the closing rundown. Katie, do you have something to say before we wrap it up? Well, I'm just looking forward to being in Knoxville this weekend. It's interesting um that this is a actual you know hyped up game between these two um that that matters a little bit you know we we talked about earlier today that you know if even if Alabama loses this game they still control their destiny in the west and on the way to the SEC championship and potential playoffs with Tennessee I mean they still do too if they lose they still control their destiny in the east they have a big game with Georgia that'll be coming up obviously in Athens in a couple weeks um and so but I, I think for Alabama fans you know, we kind of joked earlier today in three and out that there's a lot of children alive that have never seen Tennessee beat Alabama in football. <laughs> um, and I, even though, I mean, even the, the age of kids that are in college now, you know, my sister's a sophomore in college at Alabama. So um, when, you know, last time Tennessee beat Alabama, she was what, three years old. So even college kids don't, the current Alabama students don't remember really what it was like for Tennessee to beat Alabama. So I think for this game to have a little bit of juice, um, a little bit more on the line, that it's it's going to be an exciting game to cover. I'm sure it'll be an exciting game down on the field. I'm sure Neyland Stadium will be going absolutely nuts on Saturday. Um, there's no love lost between these two fan bases, and the Tennessee fan base is definitely itching uh, for a win over the Crimson Tide. Absolutely. And the kind of 
Again, Alabama will take on Tennessee this weekend. The game is on CBS, if I'm correct, at 2.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. So tune in for that. Um, so to wrap it up here, there are two things, only two things on the closing rundown to wrap up this podcast. Alabama soccer, they just continue to win. They have not lost a game since August 21st against Miami. And even that was only one nothing. They're on a nine-game winning streak. They are 13-1-1 overall in the season. They are undefeated in the conference. The next game for them, they'll have the week off and they'll return versus Arkansas in Tuscaloosa this Sunday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. So you got to get up a little early for that one. And the last thing we're going to mention, shout out to Brian Robinson. Brian Robinson did make his return and it's actually his debut in the NFL after, you know, of course, unfortunately being shot twice in the leg, but, you know, he looked good. He looked healthy and good spirits. So I'm happy to see him return. We all happy to see him return. But other than that, you know, this has been Bama, Bama Central's All Things Bama Podcast, a part of the Bama Central Network. See you next time.